Good evening, everyone. How are we doing? Okay. Isn't it, isn't it great to be able to worship Jesus? What an immense, amazing, wonderful privilege to um, worship him and then know him speak to us as well. Must never take it for granted. Um, as Susie said, we've got a prayer meeting, um, 7.30 on Wednesday evening. Um, we're going to pray for two particular things. Um, the first thing we're going to be praying for is our youth. Um, we, are, we are incredibly um, blessed with the young people that we have at King's. And uh, I think there's a real sense of God doing something special among them at the moment. And I want us to get behind it as a church and pray for God's massive blessing upon them. So we're going to give some good time. We're going to hear from Joe and Janair and the team. Um, and we're going to be praying. We're going to be crying out to God and saying, God, will you bless our youth? Will you bless our young people? So I want to encourage you to turn out, come and pray. Give it your best. Come wide awake, full of energy, ready to really lay hold of God um, in that area. And then secondly, we're going to be praying as well. Um, or actually, as part of our worship, we're just going to be looking to encounter God and be filled afresh with the Holy Spirit. So it's great this evening, being able to enjoy meeting with God. We're going to be doing that in the Oak Room. We're going to have an extended time of worship, and we're just going to enjoy connecting with him and seeing what he wants to do in our lives. So I don't know what you've got on Wednesday evening, 7.30, but cancel it so you can come up and pray with us. Because what we pray about changes things. And when we pray, God acts on the back of it. And it's one thing to believe that prayer makes a difference. It's a completely different thing when we pray. And I'm pretty certain all of us believe prayer changes things. Just want to ask how many of you are going to come and pray with us 7.30 on Wednesday evening and see things change. So your prayers make a difference. I expect to see you there. I want to see you there. I know it's going to be a good time together. We live in a celebrity culture um, where we love to build people up and up and up and up, even if they haven't done anything. And then we love to swipe their feet away and watch them tumble all the way back down to the bottom again. And if we're not careful um, within church, we can have the same thing. You know, on the internet, what we're watching, we can build people up and up and up and up. And think really, the only proper Christians are those with really big platform ministries or those incredible worship bands or whatever it might be. You think, oh, if only I could aspire to that type of gifting or, or, or that type of thing. Well, this evening, we're going to be looking at a couple, a married couple who appear in the book of Acts who don't have a big platform ministry. They're not renowned as super prophets or incredible worship leaders, but they are really honoured and esteemed in the Bible for what they bring to church, and particularly in the whole area of church planting. And I believe that there is so much that we can learn together as we look at their lives and as we look at how God used them. So we're going to look at a couple called Aquila and Priscilla. Not common everyday Hastings names, but I think they were fairly common um, in their day. And God wonderfully used them as they partnered with the Apostle Paul. So if you've got your Bibles, why don't you uh, turn to Acts chapter 18. Now this is, this is part of Paul's second missionary journey. Paul Edworthy last week brilliantly um, uh, gave us the sort of first half of Paul's second missionary journey. 
Um, and if we can put the map up, actually, Dan, that would be absolutely brilliant. Um, you can, while the map is up, you can also be planning your summer holidays. So, if you look over on the right-hand side, you can see Syrian Antioch, which is where the Apostle Paul first started. Um, he then worked his way through modern-day Turkey and retraced his steps from his first missionary journey. Somewhere in the middle there, he had the man from Macedonia vision, which um, God prompted him not to go into Asia, but actually get on a boat and go across to modern-day Greece. He then worked his way down through Greece. He went to Athens. Then he went on to Corinth. He then went back across the water to Ephesus, and then he ended up by going back to Syrian Antioch and sharing with the church everything that he had done. Now, the journey that we are going to be looking at, or the section of that journey we're going to be looking at this evening, is what Paul does in Corinth and what Paul does in Ephesus, and in particular, lined up with what he does with Aquila and Priscilla. So the title of what I'm looking at this evening is The, the, the Hidden superheroes of church the hidden superheroes of church any of you want to be a superhero good I had about that response this morning as well so I'm assuming that actually most of you do want to be superheroes you just weren't bold enough to put your hands up so I'm speaking to all of you I know you'd really all like to be superheroes of some description or another so if you found Acts chapter 18 you're doing better than me because I haven't right I have now um, let me read the first 11 verses to you. Um, Paul had a problem last week that he couldn't read his Bible, didn't he? Because it was too small. Well, this week I could have a similar problem as well. So let's have a look. Oh, actually, if the words come up on the screen, Dan, I can read from there. Brilliant. What's easier? Mm, I'll give this a go to start. After this, Paul left Athens and went to Corinth. And he found a Jew named Aquila, a native of Pontus, recently come from Italy with his wife Priscilla, because Claudius had commanded all the Jews to leave Rome. And he went to see them. And because he was of the same trade, he stayed with them and worked, for they were tent makers by trade. And he reasoned in the synagogue every Sabbath and tried to persuade Jews and Greeks. When Silas and Timothy arrived from Macedonia, Paul was occupied with the word, testifying to the Jews that the Christ was Jesus. And when they opposed and reviled him, he shook, shook out his garments and said to them, Your blood be on your own heads, I am innocent. From now on, I will go to the Gentiles. So he left there and went to the house of an, um, a man named uh, Titus Justus, a worshipper of God. His house was next door to the synagogue. Crispus, the ruler of the synagogue, believed in the Lord together with his entire household. And many of the Corinthians, hearing Paul, believed and were baptized. And the Lord said to Paul one night in a vision, Do not be afraid, but go on speaking and do not be silent, for I am with you. And no one will attack you or harm you, for I have many in this city who are my people. And he stayed a year and six months teaching the word of God among them. Just quickly pray. Lord, I pray would you please help me to communicate well this evening. I pray, Lord, would you take the simple words that I've got, God, got and make them live in our hearts. I pray it would be helpful and fruitful to us. Um, I pray that in your precious name, Lord Jesus. Amen. 
Now, with Aquila and Priscilla, I think we can learn a few things from them. And in particular, I want to focus on two areas. I want to see what they can teach us about work, and I want to see what they can teach us about mission as well. So firstly, Aquila and Priscilla, what can they teach us about work? Well, they were tent makers who had set up home in Corinth, having been driven out of Rome by Claudius. Now, um, commentators aren't quite certain why they were driven out of Rome, the, the Jewish people there, but they think it might have been because the gospel had arrived in Rome, and often, as we've seen already, as we've been working way our, our, way our, our way through the book of Acts, when cr- the Christians turned up and got to the synagogue, they started talking about Jesus, and that caused a bit of disruption. So it might have been the case there was a dis- bit of disruption in the synagogues in Rome, and Claudius got, had enough of it, so he chucked the Jewish people out and said, you can go somewhere else if you're going to argue and be disruptive um, like that. So they were expelled from Rome and probably had only just arrived in Corinth. Now Paul turns up and he stays with them. They had a number of things in common. They were of the same nation, they were Jewish, they were Christians and they were tent makers. Now you know, work is a good thing. Priscilla and Aquila worked to support themselves. And in fact, when Paul first arrives in Corinth... He stays with them and he works as a tent maker. He, he works with leather goods. He works um, with his hands. And actually, he only reasons in the synagogue once a week on the Sabbath. So for six days, he's just working hard. He's, he's got to earn a living for himself. He's got to support himself. And then on one day a week, um, he reasons in the synagogue. He doesn't send out a letter um, saying, please, will you support me? He doesn't pray and fast asking for God's provision. It's interesting to note, he just turns his hand to what he can do in order to provide a living for himself. Once Timothy and Silas turn up, having brought a gift from the churches in Macedonia, this releases Paul to um, reason in the synagogue or reason with the Jews and the God-fearers seven days a week rather than just the one. Now, Do you know that work is part of the original creation order? Do you know that God is a worker? Do you know when he created the world for six days, he worked, and then on the seventh day he rested. I don't think he rested because he was tired. I think he rested just to give us a good demonstration, a good model that we could follow. It says in Genesis 2 verse 2, And he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. God is a worker. When he created Adam and Eve, do you know what they did for six days? They worked as well. It says in Genesis 2 verse 15, The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and to keep it. God God designed us to work. Work is a good thing. If you read Facebook, you may not think that is the case. Because there can be quite a lot of moaning and complaining about where we work. But actually, in the original creation order, it's good. He made us to work hard. He made us to get to the end of the day and be tired. He made us to need rest, but not to rest seven days a week, but to work hard and then rest at the end of the week. 
So tiredness isn't a bad thing either, if we've done some work. Tiredness can be good. But it's interesting what we find in Genesis 3 with the entry of sin into the world. What we find is that work has been made harder. In Genesis 3.19 it says, By the sweat of your face you shall eat bread. Work doesn't become bad, it just becomes more difficult. And whereas with Adam and Eve at the beginning, when they turned their hand to work, it would be fruitful. On the back of the fall, on the back of sin coming in, what it means is that sometimes we work and it isn't fruitful. Sometimes we work and it's difficult. But work is still good. Work is still to be celebrated. Work is still to be enjoyed, hopefully, not to be shied away from. When we get to the New Testament, the Apostle Paul in 2 Thessalonians chapter 3 is pretty straight down the line. For even when we were with you, we would give you this command. If anyone is not willing to work, let him not eat. Oh, where's the grace in that? But he still preached the gospel of grace as well. For we hear that some among you walk in idleness. By the way, at this point, please no nudging, okay? Don't want any sort of elbows going here. For we hear that some among you walk in idleness, not busy at work, but busy bodies. Now such persons we command and encourage in the Lord Jesus Christ to do their work quietly and to earn their own living. Bible's very practical, very, very down to earth. Now, for the last 12 years, I've had the privilege of being released by you to serve you as a pastor. The, the reason I can do that is because of the offering that's taken each week and because of your generosity. Before that, I worked for 14 years in the construction industry. I, I was trained as a quantity surveyor. My, my lovely wife, Chloe, said I counted bricks. That was the extent um, of, of my job. Um, I worked for three different local building firms. Um, I, I did pretty well at it. I, I got promoted on the way through. Um, but I just I got stuck in to serve in church in the evenings and at weekends and on Sundays. I led different ministries. I gave money to church on a weekly basis. I, I, I served in that way. And... I was one of the backbone of King's Church. Like so many of you are the backbone of King's Church. The hidden superheroes of King's who Monday through to Friday work really, really hard and when at the end of the day you are absolutely exhausted, you go home, you rush down some tea, you fly out to small group meeting trying to remember what day it is. You have really busy lives, family and juggling all of that stuff. And then on Sundays, you come to church, you're committed, you're serving, you're getting stuck in. The reason Kings is as it is, is because of you. Because of your serving, because of your passion, because of your heart, because of your generosity. And churches 
yet they need the Apostle Pauls of Acts and Peters and people like that. But oh, how they need the Aquilas and Priscillas. Oh, how they need them who work hard and serve diligently. The hidden superheroes. And just as I finish this little section on work, I just want to summarize. You know, it's good to work. There's a blessing in it. Self-respect, using energy, providing for yourself and others, being a good witness, able to be generous. You know, as we work, it reflects how God has made us to be. It provides an opportunity for us to bring God's kingdom and be a witness. You know, it doesn't have to be paid employment. Although if you have to provide for yourself, get paid work. But actually, for stay-at-home mums, I reckon you put in more hours and more work than most nine-to-five people do. And that is honouring to God. And that is absolutely an amazing calling to do that. You may be retired and you've given up your nine till five job and now you work even harder because you're retired juggling a whole load of other stuff. Doesn't have to be paid employment, but I want to honour you in doing that. It might be that you're not able to work because of health reasons or for some other reason. Let me encourage you with the ability you have, physical ability, your emotional um, strength, do as much as you can for the glory of God. Find something to turn your hands to in order to be a blessing to others. And as you do that, you will be blessed as well. And it's really interesting to notice that Paul had a trade he could fall back on. He was trained as a rabbi, and all rabbis had something to fall back on. He was a tent maker. And it's really, really important that you have that opportunity. For, for you guys in your 20s, can I encourage you to work hard? Can I encourage you? Yeah, it's good to pray and think about what am I going to do in my life. And I'd say, yeah, do do, do that, but, but don't. Don't spend forever trying to make a decision as to what to do. Find something to turn your hand to and then work at it with all of your might. God will bless you in it. And if you're on the wrong path, he'll speak to you and he'll lead you into something else. But you don't want to be a 33-year-old kid just playing on your computer games. You know, you've got to take responsibility, learn how to work hard, Learn how to provide for yourself and provide for someone else. That's really, really important. And that is to be honoured. It's not what you do here alone that is spiritual. It's what you do in the workplace as well as you bring the kingdom of God. God is as interested in what you do in the workplace as what you do here. You can know the smile of God as you raise your hands in worship. You can know the smile of God as you're a doctor, as you're a teacher, as you're using your hands on the building site, you can know the smile of God in that as well. That is to be honoured. That is a good thing. So what do Aquila and Priscilla teach us about mission? 
If you've got your Bibles, turn to Acts chapter 18. The words will come up on the screen. After this, Paul stayed many days longer in Corinth. And then he took leave of the brothers and he set sail for Syria with Priscilla and Aquila. At Censor, something like that. I couldn't say it this morning, still can't say it. He had his hair, he had, he, he had cut his hair for he was under a vow. You can look at that in a uh, Bible commentary if you want to find out about that. And they came to Ephesus and he left them there. Who did he leave there? He left Aquila and Priscilla in Ephesus. But he himself went back into the synagogue and he reasoned with the Jews. When Paul went to Ephesus, Aquila and Priscilla went with him. Now, Priscilla and Aquila had only been in Corinth for a couple of years, but already they were on the front foot. They were ready to go again. And while Paul was heading back to Antioch, which is where he headed on to, they plugged into Ephesus as a city. They got their business up and running and they started discipling people. It seems that later on, if you read 1 Corinthians 16 verse 19, later on there was a house at Ephesus. No. They had a house in Ephesus where the church was meeting. And then if you keep reading, if you go to Romans 16 verse 3, you find them popping up in Rome as well, where there is a church meeting in their home as well. So if you follow this through, Aquila and Priscilla, they start in Rome, get chucked out of Rome, end up in Corinth, help Paul to plant the church there. Then they move on to Ephesus with the Apostle Paul, use their house for church meetings. Then at some point in the future, they head back to Rome and they have a, house meet, have a church meeting in their house there as well. Homes like Priscilla and Quilla's play a vital role in the spread of God's kingdom. They did then, and they still do now. Highly mobile, Priscilla and Aquila quickly settle into each new town and give themselves fully to the work of the local church. Now, just, so I'm, I'm going to finish up in a little while, but just quickly, just to note this. If you're sharp here, you'll have noticed it started by putting Aquila's name first, and then it was followed by Priscilla's name. So Aquila's the husband, Priscilla is the wife. What you'll notice is it's swapped around there. And Bible commentators aren't quite certain why, but they think it's because Priscilla was more, um, uh, more prominent in the ministry at this time. So a lot of what they were doing together, Priscilla was probably taking the lead, which is just an interesting note because the New Testament is very male-heavy. But in this instance, we think Priscilla is taking the lead in many of the things that go is going on. Phil Moore says this, ultimately your location and circumstances are entirely secondary. What matters is that you give yourself to the continuing story of Acts in the place where God has put you. Aquila and Priscilla type people are key in mission. It's one thing to send leaders out but with no support, they will really struggle. Now, in 1 Corinthians 2, verses 1 to 5, we get a little bit of a, an idea of how Paul felt when he went to Corinth. I mean, I don't know what you think he would have felt when he turned up in Corinth. Triumphant, confident, ready to preach the gospel, ready to reap an amazing harvest. He's going to see people healed. He's going to see people delivered. Actually, in 1 Corinthians 2, you don't get any of that. He says this. I was with you in weakness 
and in fear and with much trembling. Weakness, fear and much trembling. I wonder how blessed the Apostle Paul was when he bumped into Aquila and Priscilla. I wonder how blessed he was being able to work with them during the week, probably live in their home. And when he had a rough time in the synagogue on, on the weekend, when he faced a bit of opposition, I wonder how much strength he got from going back and talking to Aquila and Priscilla about how hard it was. Aquila and Priscilla were their, his first partners in mission in Corinth. And I wonder, when it got to Ephesus, and he thought, I'm going to end up in Ephesus soon, because that's a big city, and I want to preach the gospel there. He thought, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to send Priscilla and Aquila on first. So when I'm going there, I'm not going to be worried. I'm not going to be full of fear, trembling, because I know they're gonna, they'll have gone ahead of me. And they'll have already got a business up and running. They'll already be able to provide for themselves and probably help me as well. I wonder how much... That was in his thinking. And I wonder if that's also why they ended up in Rome. Bible doesn't say it. But I wonder if Paul said, you know, I'm going to Rome. I'm going to go to the center of the empire. But when I get there, you know who I want to meet when I get there? Aquila and Priscilla, who've got their business up and running. I've got a place to stay. They know how I'm wired. They're going to be a brilliant, amazing support. You know, Aquila and Priscilla, we don't think, ever preached publicly. They did it all behind the scenes. But I don't think Paul could have been nearly as fruitful if he didn't have Aquila and Priscilla with him. Here's just a few observations about them. Firstly, they understood the truth and they were able to help others. A little bit later, a guy called Apollos turns up, a mighty preacher. But Aquila and Priscilla helped him to understand the word of God more accurately. Aquila and Priscilla were self-supporting, probably did quite well financially because they met in their house, which meant it was probably quite a big house. They were able to give finance away. Aquila and Priscilla were committed to the leadership of Paul, to his vision, and were willing to personally sacrifice in order to see churches planted. I mean, it cost them financially, wouldn't it? Get up, move house cost them relationally, leaving friends in Corinth to go to Ephesus, leaving friends in Ephesus to go back to Rome. But no, we're going. We're, we're about seeing churches planted. They flourished working alongside Paul. I believe Paul flourished working alongside them. Good leadership should release people to flourish. The relationship was a blessing to Paul. And it was a blessing to Aquila and Priscilla as well. This church is built on the back of men and women just like Priscilla and Aquila. We've had it in our DNA for the last 40 years. As we move forward into venues, as you become established as a venue of King's Church, you know what it's going to be built on? Well, it's going to be built a bit on Alid and Lou and their leadership. And please pray for them. Actually, it's going to be built on Aquila's and Priscilla's, who labor side by side, who give, them, give of themselves, who labor for the good of the church, who give generously of their finance, who open up their homes, who give their lives to other people, who share on the mission. And that's how Bex Hill will be planted. That's how 10 a.m. will be re-established. That's how we're going to do St. Leonard's. And you know what? For some of you, 
maybe you're not meant to stay in the UK. Maybe you're meant to be in Europe as well. Maybe you should be learning a language right now because you know what? There's not as nearly as many churches in France like ours as there are here or Germany or Italy. My preference would be you went for Portugal or Spain because when I come and visit you, it's quite nice and sunny. But, I, I'm, you know, don't, don't be tied to that. But seriously... Some of you might think, well, no, I'm, 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 not an, I'm not an Apostle Paul. I'm not an upfront type of person. Do, do, you know, do I really have a significant part to play? Oh, you do. Oh, you do. There's only so far Alid and Lou can go. But with Aquila and Priscilla, it's amazing what can be achieved. Work is so important. We can learn that from Aquila and Priscilla. Mission is so important. We can learn that from Priscilla and Aquila. It says this in Romans 16, verses 3 to 5. I'm going to finish on this. This is Paul writing to the church at Rome. He says this. Greet Priscilla and Aquila, my fellow workers in Christ Jesus. How cool is that? The Apostle Paul calling them that. My fellow workers in Christ Jesus, who have risked their necks for my life to whom not only I give thanks but all the churches of the Gentiles give thanks as well greet also the church in their house why don't we stand we're finished by praying Just if you're in a work situation that you're struggling with or if you're looking for work or you just want to change in that circumstance, could you just put your hand up? I know it takes a little bit of boldness. Just put your hand up. No one's going to come to you. I'm just going to pray for you. So it's a, a way of just sort of saying, I need some, I need some help. Lord, I, I just pray, Holy Spirit, will you come close to every single person with their hands up right now? Lord, I pray for a fresh dollop of your grace all over them. Lord, as they go back to it tomorrow, or whenever it is they're going back into that work situation, I pray that they would know your smile and your favour upon them, even when it's really hard and they're finding it incredibly difficult. Lord, I ask you, would you give them the grace not to moan about it, not to complain, but to rejoice in every situation and circumstance. Lord, I pray, Lord God, would you open up fresh opportunities for them. I pray for those looking for work right now. I pray, even this week, Lord, I ask you, will you open up work opportunities for them this week? Lord, I pray for that. I pray for the blessing of work upon them. Lord, I ask you, even now, as I've been talking about mission, would you plant, would you plant countries on hearts right now? Lord, we, we want to see Europe impacted by the gospel, so we need people to go. Lord, I pray would you plant nations on people's hearts right now. Lord, we ask this for your name and for your glory. Amen.
Brilliant. We're going to finish it up there. Um, don't forget, we're praying 7.30 up at this building on Wednesday and have an amazing week and be thoroughly blessed in whatever it is your hand is, is doing. Thanks very much.